My name is Rachel Del Judas, and you are listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Forge Leadership Network mentors, trains, and connects young conservatives ages 18 to 25, equipping them to lead in politics, culture, and business. For more information or to get involved, visit forgeleadership.org. Let me, let me go ahead and pray for us and, and introduce you. Yes. Uh, dear, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, Sam Brownback. Thank you so much for the students and, and the staff here on this call. Um, thank you for, thank you for the um, impact that you, you have had on, on all of our lives and, and the way that you are impacting others through that. Please help us to love our God and our neighbors well and have that always be displayed in what we do in the public square and, and help us to yeah, walk in, in the footsteps of folks like Governor Brownback and, and his wife and, and folks who carry themselves with integrity and character and, and glorified you in their in their foray into public life as in the followed your call. So um, may that be true of our students and um, thank you for putting good dreams in, in their hearts and may those dreams come true as they as they serve you. Amen. Jesus name, amen. I agree. Amen. That's a good prayer. Well, thank you, students. Governor Brownback, I'm gonna introduce you here. Governor Governor Brownback um, is is a, a lifelong Kansan. He's grew up on a farm near Parker, Kansas, and he is a he's a Kansas Kansas State uh, Wildcat. But you're also Governor. You're also a you're also uh, you also remember Jayhawk. Jayhawk as well, right? Yeah. So yeah, that, that was got... well for political life, being able to claim both, <laughs> of them, right? <laughs> well, it, it, it let me be able to negotiate between the two. <laughs> That's wonderful, and, and 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 Governor Brownback and his his wife Mary are the parents to five children and a couple grandchildren now, and with Abby and, and Eric's uh, Emily and and, and her uh, little sister and, and and more. And in 1994, after serving as Kansas Agricultural Secretary, Governor Brownback was um, at the time Ag Secretary Brownback was elected to Congress in 1994 as part of the. Uh, the, the the revolution of sorts, right? That that took place there with the contracts yeah. with America and part of uh, other freshman congressmen. You, you guys called yourselves the New Federalists, is that right? Am I remembering? That's correctly? correct. Yeah, okay. we were the cons- <laughs> we were the conservatives of the conservative class. So were you? We, was we were that the, a precursor to the? Oh, excuse me, Governor. No, I just we, we were really pushing. You know, it'd be in the. It, it'd be in that category. I mean, we were we were all kind of second generation Reaganites at that point, or I guess the best way to put it would be Reagan 2.0, and we were the congressional mm-hmm. wing of it. And and then there've been iterations of it, uh, kind of since. Governor Brownback, how many of how many of you with that? Did you guys know each other while running for for office? Did, was that something where that unity came together afterwards? How did that work? It came together afterwards. Uh, we, by and large, did not know each other except if we were in the same state. So I knew uh, Todd Teahart, who was in my state, and got elected to the freshman class unexpectedly. But otherwise, we didn't know each other. But we, by and large, shared the same heritage of hmm. we'd been we'd come to political cognizance under Reagan. We we saw him getting battered, yet we believed in the cause and. And you saw what a great leader could do, uh, even against public opinion, if they'd stand there and they were principled and they could articulate their principle in a winsome way. You, you saw, you know, you can move people. 
And you happen to move them to the right direction and the policies work and then you get believers out of them. Hmm. Wow. And two years later, you ran for successfully for the U.S. Senate. And, and that was you served uh, two, two full elected terms. Two full terms. And, and, yeah. and you honored a, a pledge that you had made that said that you would only serve two full elected terms in the United States Senate. Why did you why did you make that pledge? I believe in term limits. I, <laughs> I think you ought to serve in these jobs. I think you ought to hit it hard. And then I think you ought to move on or go home. I, I just, I, these, these positions are so important and critical. They need just high levels of energy and commitment and I think a limited time frame so that you know if you're going to get something done, you've got to get after it and push it and do it. And you're just not, you're not there to, to keep the position. A lot of people want you to keep the position because of whatever various reasons, but I just don't think they're really the, the democracy is best served that way. I'm a I'm a firm believer in term limits. Hmm. And and Governor, when you were when you were running for for Senate, you were when you were running for Senate as a as a young man, I know the students on this this call are 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 in their youth and I'm sure if, if some of them run for office, I mean, we have one who's elected the Political school board on the line, but I'm sure they will hear folks, you know, tell them you're you're young, or you should you should wait your your turn. What uh, did you hear any of that from folks when you ran for uh, former Senator Dole's open seat? I did hear that, but you know, I I well, obviously I didn't pay much attention to it, and <laughs> I'm just I'm just not one that's motivated much in anybody that I'm looking at based on age, young or old. I'll I'll go with either if in their heart they really believe they ought to be doing this and they they have principles. I I think I don't think really age is the is a qualifier or a disqualifier other than what constitutional requirements are. I I think it's really a matter of of really philosophy and and whether you're answering a calling that's that's right for you. Hmm. Well, that's 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 great wisdom and, and, and great advice. And of, and of course, Governor, as we come to the to the recent years, you ran for and, and elected now twice or two terms, I, I should say, as as the governor of your home state, your great state of of, of Kansas. And and you you made you know um, you've made quite accomplishments in, in in getting the the state's economy growing again and in, in creating jobs and, and lower taxes. And you signed in the law one of the largest tax cuts in, in, in Kansas history and you've in, in, in Congress as a senator you you enact you led the effort to enact the, the Trafficking Victims Protection Act in two thousand, right? And student I'm, I'm we I, I don't want to <laughs> I was about to steal the thunder of one of our students as a question about which is about your, your accomplishments. I'll I'll bring that back later on. But and, and I know we have a couple students on the line who are graduates who are about who are thinking about applying for the White House Fellows program. You you were oh. a White House fellow. What, yeah, that's, that's a fan. That's a fantastic program. I I really can't recommend it highly enough. Mm. Three of the current six statewide office holders in Kansas are former White House fellows, and it's it's just a wonderful year long experience to get to see government and the country at a high level when you're at a young age. So it, it's like taking you up in an airplane and giving you a view 
of the broader picture and then putting you back on the ground. And once you've got that view, you're kind of going, oh, okay, I see how these pieces fit together better. I don't understand it all fully, but I've got the bigger picture. And I, I was an enormously helpful, wonderful experience. Well, in Governor, talking about that, that, that bigger picture, you, you're quite outspoken about your, your faith in, in, in Christ and the impact that it has on, on your life and your family and your, your leadership and, and servant leadership. How, how would you share with the students the, the role of, of faith in, in your leadership style and in your engagement in, in politics and, and policy? Uh, it's it's central. I met Mother Teresa once. This was her last foreign trip that she took, last trip to the United States, and she went home to India from here and died eight months later. And as I was I was hosting her for the Congressional Gold Medal, I went to put her in her car as uh, she was leaving, and I was thinking to myself, I really had just caught her on the downhill side, that she was very frail physically, that she was somewhat frail mentally, seemed like. And I thought, this is a great person, but I just caught him, you know, on the on the downhill side. She uh, grabbed my hand as I was putting her in the car, and she repeated three words four times. She just said, all for Jesus, all for Jesus, all for Jesus, all for Jesus. And then car door shut, she sped away, and... And I thought, I've got the wisdom from one of the most saintly people ever on earth. It's in three words. Uh, and it's non-separable. It's not that, okay, you, you live your faith on Sunday and when you're with other Christians and then otherwise you, you don't or you, you know, and I, and I, Led myself to believe for a while, well, politics isn't beanbag. This, you're gonna, we're gonna have to play tough in this. And so I played secular for a while on politics. And it just, it was a very unrewarding experience where I just felt, you know, I, this is not who I am. And, and I decided, you know, look, I'm just, this is who I am and it's just who I am all the time. And my faith is central. And this is a good thing. And this isn't a bad thing. And I don't live my faith to the, the quality of at times that I would like to. But it continues to improve and it continues to drive me. And, and it's the, it's the way to live. I, so I, what I would just urge people is just don't be ashamed of your faith. Be who you are and let it animate you and let it take you places that that politically you don't think are the right ways to go necessarily or that other people around you politically may say this isn't this isn't the right politics for a conservative well you should go no but it's the right politics for a follower of Jesus and that that that's your driving principle not a political principle and if you do that the lord will honor it you you it will you will You'll be blessed, even though it will look like at the moment this is not a good idea. You just you follow that faith guiding, not a political persuasion, and it's always the right thing to do. Yeah, Governor. On that, on a similar, on a similar note, while we're on that, on that subject, and I, I want to take the second to, to thank uh, Peter Burns, who, who who made this this call possible with uh, with. Your communications director Rachel and, and and 
thank him. Peter Peter is a Forge grad and, and one of our finest alums. Oh. And Peter yes. introduced me to uh, Malika Willoughby, who's fast become part of the, the Forge team as well. And and, uh, and and she might be on the call. She's been a wonderful blessing to, to our ministry and and um, as yours. And she and I asked her, I said, Malika, what is what is your favorite question that your Governor Brownback you know share with with young people or Christians? And she said, she said you got to ask him about balancing the kind of nurture, nurturing your head and your heart, nurturing your soul. How do you how do you balance? So I I, I want to ask you how do you, how do you balance your nurturing of your soul, nurturing of your heart? As an ambitious young person, right? These young people on, on this call have ambition, and how do they how do they understand the difference between godly ambition and worldly ambition, and, and, and balance that with making sure that they're they're feeding their soul and their mind? Well, the beautiful thing about God is, if you are ambitious in a carnal, worldly way, He'll take you down. You you will it'll be drilled out of you by circumstances by things. I was a carnally ambitious young man and I got cancer and that drilled that took it out of me. It was it was crushing. It was a simple one. We got on top of it early and uh, but I was I was crushed. And it was one of the one most wonderful things that's ever happened to me to uh, have that just crushed out of me. Because then you get to a point uh, where you just kind of go, well, Lord, it's I'm all yours. I don't know how to run this life, and I don't know even know if it's gonna gonna continue. So I, that's the beautiful thing about the Lord. It's he's he he you've been he's the author and perfecter of our faith. So he started it and he's gonna finish it. And the other thing I've found too is he'll lift you up as as high as you will allow your faith to be formed to take you. And by that I mean you you will limit or expand your opportunities that God will use you with by how much you spend time uh, growing your faith. That's the limiting factor. It isn't other things. It's because he's never going to lift you up and put you in a place that you could lose your soul and and crash. So he's going to keep you out of something that if he, if you had formed your soul more, he might have put you in it because you could handle it. But if if you if you remain a baby Christian, you don't really form that strong bond with Jesus and Him living in you and through you. He's going to keep you at the lower rungs, and that's for your own salvation. That's for your own soul's benefit that He'll do it. What Malika's referred to, as I often tell young people, you need to form birth, both your head and your heart. And, and by that I mean we need people in these sort of public lives that have a well-trained mind and a well-formed soul. And usually the, usually the place where people fall down is the, the well-formed soul. That our, our carnal world focuses a lot on the formation of the mind. And developing it and, and getting it to think clearly and go to college and do this, do that. But we, it's kind of like we don't know how to talk about the soul in a public setting. We just don't know how to do it. And that's then you end up with a smart person with a small heart. And that's a very dangerous thing to have. You need a well-trained mind and a well-formed soul. So I urge people to spend a lot of time on both of that, training their their mind and their soul, to get mentors 
around them who have lived life well, the way they think they should live life, you know, to find somebody that's out 10, 20 years ahead of you at least and ask them to mentor you and find somebody that you believe has, has lived a well, has lived a good life. If you could live like them, you'd be happy. And just ask them to mentor you because that's part of the soul formation. And then spend time in prayer and just time before the Lord and, and with him and I'm uh, working right now a lot with Brother Lawrence's book, Practicing His Presence. Mm. And it's an That's old a great book. classic. Oh, it's fabulous. Yes. It's so yes. fabulous. And simple but difficult. And I, I just think that's that's the big piece of it. Because you get out there in the public square, there are a lot of people to shoot at you and to accuse you of a lot of things. And yet God's got you out there, and he wants you to radiate him. And shine him, and and that's what we should do. And, and Governor, on 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 that, and, and that was super encouraging, in, in not only on a personal level, but also because this is this the mentor. What you said about a mentor, this is what this is what Forge does. This is our mission of of, of why this this nonprofit exists. And, and these students in this mentorship academy in January, they will each get matched. We will pair prayerfully pair them with a with a mentor, a man or woman who who loves God, who's doing what they hope to be doing in in in, in 20 uh, years or so someone someone who is is down that um, road of vocation further than them who is who is made both an effective and a, a principled impact so someone of integrity and also real uh, you know real success and in, in, in skill so we're excited about that and we I appreciate your yeah encouragement of the importance of, of, of mentoring and and so on you just mentioned the fact that you know we're bombarded in in this world with temptations and, and things not of importance and distraction and and, and, and and things of the flesh and more. But and we and we obviously are seeing this right now with all these candles and, 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 and controversies over um over the you know loss of power and, and loss of the eyes and all these things. How do you how do you maintain in integrity? How, how do you maintain integrity in a world where those it's not that other people in life don't experience those same temptations, but in, in public life and in, in, in proximity to power those those seem to be Increased. How do you maintain integrity? How do you keep your eyes fixed on, on on Christ? Well, I don't. I certainly don't do it perfectly, and I have my failures. As anybody, and you know, if you could gather the thoughts in my mind, you'd think, ah, oh, well, I don't know if I want to be around that guy because I I have every difficulty everybody else does. But you do try to build some boundaries around yourself. I've got a good band of brothers that I travel with. And by that I mean, you know, we, we we do things together, we're in communication, we keep each other accountable and encouraged. You know, these the sex scandal stuff, this uh, sexual harassment things that are really around right now, I've tried to always operate with a you know, in an in an office or travel that I I am not alone with a woman in my office with the doors closed. It's just I don't we don't do it, uh, and I, somebody else got to be there or whatever it is. But you just just kind of a sensible is what Billy Graham he did for a long period of time. And as I mentioned, the traveling with a brother generally when I'm out traveling, I want to I want to have one of my brothers with me because uh, Jesus sent them out two at a time. He sent them out in pairs, and there's a reason. You know, if one stumbles, the other can pick him up. One will chase a hundred, two will chase a thousand. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. 
And then it's also, you know, they said, Jesus said, you know, look, they'll know you. They'll know you're Christians by your love. And they see that in that brotherly love. So when I'm traveling with my brother out there and, and we're going someplace, you know, people notice that. And they go, well, why? Why are you here? Well, this is my brother. You know, and I'm, I'm here to support him, backing him up. And it, it, it speaks to people. They don't see that. And they're wondering, well, why Why would you give up your time to help him out? Well, he's my brother. And it is it is a beautiful testimony. So I think you just really take a lot of things that are uh, said in the Bible that Jesus said. You just live them practically. And and you take them, you know, okay, that's good advice. I'll, I'll travel together. And to travel with a brother is just a wonderful thing, too. It's enjoyable. You get to have the joy to share and and it keeps you out of trouble that's uh, that's good wisdom <laughs> right, right there thank you for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast if you like the show please drop a review in your podcast app and be sure to subscribe for all of our latest episodes You can follow Forge Leadership Network at Forge Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about Forge programming, please visit forgeleadership.org.